0: Good morning again. We are going to continue in our journey, a journey of uh, looking into the future, uh, which includes today, for this is the day the Lord has made. We will rejoice and be glad, be glad, I mean, be glad. Sometimes that's hard to do, right? But um, you know what? When we get together, I don't know about you, it's like awesome. It just is. And and the, some of you don't know, I have a little bit of a hearing impairment, maybe too much information. But I got to tell you, sitting up front does me no good because all the voices are going past me. So I don't hear so well. But I discovered this morning as I got out on my knees and prayed, you all sounded awesome. I mean, like, it was a whole different sound. Yeah, try it. <laughs> Thanks, Shirley. That was awesome right there. Moving toward Christ, we're continuing our journey. Oops, sorry. We're continuing our journey this morning. And uh, I did want to just briefly, if you will, envision again with you how we started up the year. Uh, the vision for 2000 and, and the one thing, these are three, well, one thing. The three things as a church we are committing to this year. The three things. First one is equipping the saints. What will we need to equip the saints? To be equipped as a church to understand what God's will, purpose, and plan is for our life, resulting in the body being encouraged and unified, found in Philippians 4.12. So what will we need? We're going to need to be willing. We need it both. We need teachers, Bible teachers, preachers, pastors, whatever the case may be, people of God being willing to say, I'll take the time to learn to teach, and you take the time to learn to be equipped. That's what we're committing to. One of the things we're committing to this year. The second is, we'll have, what will it take to do that? Yes, if we do what God has equipped us to do and apply it to our life, found out in uh, Deuteronomy 6, 5. if If we will do what God says, I know this seems almost too simple, and be equipped to do it. I know what God wants for us personally, for our families, and for this body. He wants to be glorified, but he wants for us to join him in the journey. It's such an awesome journey. And then, not lastly, but thirdly, growing in faith. What are the odds against us? There are many odds against us, but the more we're equipped and the more we understand what God desires for our life, the more we will grow in our faith and trust that we will succeed. Found in Colossians 2 6. We will succeed. We will. Individually, as corporately, as a body. And why? Because of me? No, 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 no. Because of you? No. Because of God. But isn't it awesome? He brings us together as a church body. We have visitors here. Guess what? You're part of our body today. God's bigger than a building, He's worldwide. Do you all know that? He brings us together so that we can, we can be a body that will glorify Him. But guess what? I need you. I need you. You need, matter of fact, you need me too. Because together is how we glorify God. Together. So, we talked about counting the cost, and I'm not gonna go through everything we talked about because it would be a whole sermon in and of itself. But I just picked out this one slide to talk about this morning. How do we engage God in equipping? How do we engage God in strengthening our families? And how do we engage God in growing in our faith? We got to put him first. Beyond that, we don't, it's free for all. So the first thing we need to do is be equipped and in our personal lives, put God first. We need to be a man and woman of integrity. We need to be yes is our yes, no is our no. And the integrity comes from God. And if we're men and women of integrity by his word, his spirit, his desire for our life, then we'll envision an an awesome day, an awesome month, an awesome year, an awesome life in him. We need to consider what we're up against. Don't let things come against us. I I mean, who had something, someone, who did you have uh, something come against you last week? Who had something come against you? I'm all revved up, man. I'm telling you, this is... Oh, I did too. So that's not the point. There was a couple of times, uh, see, were any of you with me? I don't know. I kind of like tossed something aside, but it was pretty violent. (laughs) I got a little upset. Things come against, against us. They do. That's not the point. They will come against us. But we need to consider, stop, and just go, God, let me consider what just happened here. Is it really worth cursing at someone? Is it really worth kicking something? Is it really worth being angry, that angry about? We need to stop, take a deep breath and consider what we're up against. And then we need to stop fighting those losing battles. You guys, give it to God. There's things that we, we have in our everyday life, right? That just every day, it's the same thing. That thing comes against us. Who, who has the same thing? Something. Come on. I want to see if you're with me. Something comes or tries to come against us. We need to pick our battles you never win that battle. All it'll do is those little battles that keep nipping at us every day, they're just going to take us away from God. That's all. They're going to be a distraction. We need to choose to pick our battles. And then, most of all, we need to seek God, be in the word, pray, and then trust him. That's, that's really the bottom line. So God has created us to give and to live beyond ourselves. And I think we're getting a good picture of that. But he really has. He wants us to be more than who we are. I mean, you know, I know, I know some of us. You know, I'm not saying we're living bad lives per se. I'm not saying that we have a, a bad life. Some of us have the perfect job, the perfect family, and the perfect life that never get cut off in traffic and never have a problem. Right? Who's that? Raise your hand. I want to see. Oh, I got a hand back there. Oh, it's a child. That's why. Okay, that's the. That don't count right now. That, but later, in life, yeah. but. But we really were created to do more than just be here. we need to give ourselves to god and and, and I you know i it's, in a sense, I want to be a little careful uh and the only reason I want to be a little careful is um I want us to understand this: if we can't kneel and pray in the house of the Lord, where can we and I'm not saying everyone needs to kneel and pray i'm not don't hear that. But if we can't raise our hands in the house, of where, where can we? You know, if we can't come forward to the altar or if we can't pray for one another in the house of the Lord, we're in trouble. This has to be a place where we can do these things and not feel weird and not feel like someone's looking at us, and, and you know, and even if they were, I mean, like, if you were a visitor, you know, like, later in life, like, I went to church at 32 years old. I mean, when I went into church, a lot of people looked pretty weird. (laughs) I mean, they just did. They were, like, singing, and the way they were dressed, and I'm just going, ah, what is this? So even if that's the case, we still praise him because it's about our heart, right? God, though, wants us to go beyond ourselves. He wants us to live a life that glorifies Him. That glorifies Him. And we're going to talk more and more and more about that. And in my prayer, even, I mean, with my life, guys, with your life, is that more and more we can express that. Because it's that expression that just makes a difference. Four Corners. I wanted to share a couple pictures with you. Four Corners Baptist Church. We have an expression that we, we as a church body, have engaged in. One was mission to Panama. Now, not everyone went to Panama. Where's Andy? Andy went to Panama. And Andy really, you know, he said, I can't do a lot. And he, and, and he couldn't physically, and, and he can't be out in the sun. And he said, but Pastor, I tell you, I'll do whatever I can. And he just so quietly, in the, and sometimes in the background, just prayed and looked and, and offered someone water. He couldn't do much. But he went. He, it was an expression of what he could do to glorify God. So we go to the panhandle, and most of you have seen pictures. I mean, just a couple of snapshots. I mean, you know, we, we, most of us have probably been here where, you know, one day life is fine, and the next day it's a total disaster, you know. But as Four Corners, we, we took up an offering. We filled up a trailer, and, and we went to Panama to do what we could do. Not more than we can do, just to do what we could do. Um, that's Dustin. Uh, met met uh, Dustin and I, I've known before, but just had opportunities to get away too, and and to uh, work together as a body. And for those that once had everything and now had nothing, I'm telling you, one little outreach from this church, from this body, other bodies. Maybe some of you can relate. You've been on the receiving end of something like this. It meant everything. Not some things. It meant everything. Just, just a face to look at and say it's going to be okay in the middle of all this stuff. And then Four Corners has been helping a family out in transition. That's, that's, it happens to be Dustin again and his two daughters. You've, you've heard a little bit. Some of you maybe not, but you've heard a little bit about him. And we've had the opportunity. Some of you uh, were able to give uh, some, some support. And that's his two, uh, Ellie and Emma. And... Uh, actually, Ellie was baptized here at Four Corners not too long ago. That's Dustin's daughter, and I just had to throw that in there. That's cool. <laughs> cool. Hey, hey she, they're they're both really sweet young young ladies. And then Eric, Eric, um, Eric was baptized here just last Sunday, and I took a quote. Eric uh, is Eric here? Eric. I took a quote from his testimony, and he said this in his testimony. Don't wait seven long years to be baptized out of a pure heart. Don't make up excuses. Go with what God has desired in your heart. Quote from Eric. He waited seven years. Now, some of his wait, though, in his journey, as as he talked to me, I understood. He he lives under his parents' roof. His parents didn't uh, really understand why he wanted to be baptized. And so one of the biggest reasons you waited was so that they would give you their blessing. And that, and that, it also would be a witness to them on, on true salvation. Understand? And so he comes after seven long years. But in his testimony, and I, I, I hear this. You know what? If you don't have any reason to wait, don't. I mean, if you're if you're if you're trying to be good enough or pure enough to be baptized, but you believe you're you're saved, you know what? Something's not, ain't right. If if you put your trust in Christ as your Savior for your eternal life, and you know. The next step is baptism. Don't wait. You'll never be perfect enough to be baptized. Baptism is a sign of what Christ did for you, and it is doing in you, not you. So if that's you this morning, you need to see me. If you know you need to be baptized, you, you, you put your foot out, trip me, do something, help me up. Say, look, we need to talk. Time for Baptism. So we're going to start out, envisioning our future, giving God our best, found in Second Timothy one six. Therefore, I remind you to stir up the gift of God, which is in you through the laying of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. You know what? It was this scripture I was thinking about when I was praying that I said, you know what? We need to stir this up this morning. We need to stir it up. Because when you stir it up, you get to meet new people, you get to do new things and you know what? It's just awesome to meet other people. How's it going? Now, I know some are shy and some aren't shy, and, but that's okay. Again, if we can't do that here, we're going to have a hard time living our life out there glorifying God, right? So stir it up. It's okay. It's all right. In a good way. Stir it up in a good way. God did not give us a spirit of fear. We don't have to be afraid that, you know, the difference. Someone asked me, how do you know the difference between fear or not fear? Well, here's how you can tell. If you feel condemned about something, it's fear. If you feel like God is speaking to you and he's convicting you that what you're doing is wrong, then it's not fear. It's of power and of love and of a sound mind. You feel condemned, kick it out of your life. That's those fighting your battles things. You can't have it in your life. If you feel condemned, it's not of God. He does not condemn us. The Bible says in John 3, 17, we already stand condemned. We we don't have to worry about condemning ourselves and our sin nature. We're already condemned. Okay? All right. Amen. So here's where our story begins. We're going to be in Mark 12 today. And just a quick summary leading up to where we're going to be talking. And Jesus begins to share that the kingdom of God is not doing things and looking good, but it's about the heart. So Jesus is on the scene. His disciples are with him. He's out, and they're they're praying for people. They're laying hands on people. There's a lot of things going on, a lot of unusual things, not necessarily for the time because, uh, you know, this time and era was not short of God things. I mean, there were temples. There were priests. There were Sadducees. There were scribes. You know what I mean? There, there were a lot of people knew the word of God and what the word they had. So it's not that they were void of like church. But now all of a sudden, Jesus is coming on the scene. And in, in a, you have to hear the story. In a sense, what he's doing, he's taken away from me, let's say, the pastor. And he's saying, don't look at Tony. Look at me. Don't look at look at me. Look at him. Guess what? The Pharisees, the Sadducees, and the scribes, they didn't like that. Matter of fact, they're the ones that wanted Jesus killed, crucified. They're the ones that wanted to do everything they could to put him on, on trial. Why? Because, you know what? They, things were going good. You know? Th- things are just they're, just, they're going good. And the next thing you know, Jesus is rocking their world. Don't look at me. Look at God. What in the world? I go, hey, no, 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 no. Wait, guys. I want you to look at God, but you got to see God through me. No, 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 no. Do you get what's going on, though? For the most part, the priest of the day didn't want you guys to see God on your own. Because if you did, you might all of a sudden fall in love with him instead of them. And Jesus rocked their world. He stirred them up so much. That's not the kind of stirring up that the Bible's talking about. Amen? Get what I'm saying? He was, stirring, he was stirring them up in the way of going, okay, this is what I want you to do. I want you to take it from your heart and serve God, not from your mind, and serve man. Continue with Mark twelve eighteen. Then one of the scribes came, and having heard them reasoning together, perceiving that he had answered them well, asked him, which is the first commandment of all. So Jesus is on the scene. He's with his disciples. There's miracles and praying and stuff going on. All the the, the religious and, and, and a lot of the priests and whatnot were getting totally upset. And the next thing you know, a scribe, which is like a lawyer, I guess, in the day. He's the one that would put down, write down the word of God, make sure that it was transferred accurately. So, you know, he knew the word of God. The scribe, like all scribes, knew the word of God. So next thing you know, the scribe comes up and he's seeing all this stuff and he says, okay, okay, Jesus, let me ask you this. He's the keeper of the law. He's the writer of the word. Jesus, let me ask you this. Which is the first commandment of all? Now, some might think, good question. But you know what? In some ways, he's trying to trip up Jesus. Because guess what? I think, I think, I mean, I guess I don't know this ultimately. But prior to this, there was a lot of other questions being asked by the priest prior to this. So the scribe comes up. He asks this question. If Jesus were to put one law over another, okay, like make one worse, okay? Uh, thou shall not steal, Is not as bad as thou should not commit adultery. You understand what I'm saying? So they're kind of trying to trip Jesus up. Is he going to make one law bigger than another? Aha, if so, then we can say, you know, that that, that's not God because we're we're to obtain the whole law. No one can do that. Anyone here ever keep all Ten Commandments? No way, right? So they're trying to trip Jesus up. So I have a little asterisk there. It says our good works are not replaced by a personal relationship with God. So I showed you pictures of going to Panama, helping that uh, family in transition, you know, doing these things. They're all very good, and especially when we're doing them to glorify God. But the bottom line is, is none of our good works will replace a personal relationship with God. It's like, okay, let's say right now something happened. I'm not going to say what it is because I'm not going to claim something bad. Something happened, another hurricane. Happened last night up, up in Tennessee. And so I come to you this morning with an offering basket and I say listen guys we need to take an offering we need to take an offering because a hurricane happened we need to just take an offering we got we... I'll give you this dollar to help with that hurricane Oh wow 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 Well that that's awesome that's awesome But um Wait, wait hold on. First selfie. <laughs> Okay. Okay. Um. Um. The giving is good because there's a there's a cost. But um. But um. But, but but actually, they could use manpower more than money right now because man, we there's things tore up, there's things devastated. So we need what I we money's good, to, but we need to we need people. When we give monetarily, that's a good thing. Because the Bible talks about giving financially, giving the first fruits, giving a tithe, ten percent. That's that's a good thing. But you know, when we're when we and if we give from the mind instead of the heart, that's not a good thing. It's what this is all about. You know, and that was an illustration. I happen to know that that uh Bud and Bethany both give of themselves a lot. And and so uh don't get any wrong impressions. I don't think you will, but uh That was totally a skit, and it was totally just to represent, listen, when we give, praise God, when it's from the heart. And when we give of ourselves, praise God, when it's from the heart that says, I physically can do, like Andy, whatever. Andy went on a pre-mission trip. We were bulldozers and chainsaws, you guys. Andy can't do that kind of stuff. But he went and did what he could do. That is what glorifies God. Amen. Mark twelve thirty. And you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart. This is his answer. What is the greatest commandment? And you shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart, with all of your soul, and with all of your mind and with all of your what strength. This is the first commandment. And the second is like it is this. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. There is no other commandment greater than these. I left here a couple weeks ago, and um, I saw this man. It was raining on Highway 27. He was standing outside of his car with a blanket, a wool blanket on, and he was completely covered and drenched. And as I'm driving by, I went, surely someone will stop and help him. I really had a, a, a commitment to, for to meet people. And I'm driving by, and he's drenched. I couldn't see his face, and I just went, what, what, what? Someone's going to stop by. And so I I continue to drive, and sure enough, God says, yeah, and that someone is you. And so I turn around, and I pull up, and he's, he's, oh, you guys, he's frozen like this. And he looks through the, peeks through this blanket, and he said, can you call the cops? And I said, what's wrong? He goes, I've been standing here an hour, and no one stopped. He said, I thought by now a sheriff's department, someone would stop. And I said, and I said well, can't you move? He, he, he had a really bad back. He could not. He, he he was in such pain. He said, I sat in my car for a half hour. Then I realized no one could see me. And he said, so I got out of my car and it's raining. Can you just call the cops? I, I can't. And so I talked him in to get in my truck, turned on the heat. And so we ended up calling a tow truck instead. Now, again, I'm not saying that about me. But but listen, if if we are not the example, who will be? If we are not the example, who will, will be? All those people pass them I mean, just going oh, and it's not doesn't make me any better. Just just listen to the little still small voice in our heart. You know what that is—that just whispers, "Stop." You can help. You can pray. You can do something. And Sally uh, called. She she passed. She saw my truck. And she goes, Pastor Tony, is that your truck? I said, yeah. She goes, you okay? You need help? I said, no, no, thank you, though. We might think those little things don't matter, but they do. They do. This guy was not a believer. And I shared my story with him. I shared Jesus with him. I planted a seed. That's what God wants. Be who we are. Plant a seed. Continuing with Mark 12. So the scribe said to him, well said, teacher, you have spoken the truth. For there is one God and there is no other but he. And to love him with all of, watch this, and to love him with all of the heart, with All the understanding with all the soul and with all the strength and to love one's neighbor as oneself is more than all the burnt offerings and sacrifices. Now, when Jesus saw that he answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And what's going on here is this scribe is really far from the kingdom of God until all of a sudden he realizes Jesus answered when he said the greatest commandment is to love God with all of our heart, mind, soul, and strength. He realized Jesus was not putting one law over another. Jesus wasn't saying that there was specific things you need to do. He was talking to the scribe and talking to his heart. And he was saying, you know what? It's about your heart. It's about the love that God has for you, not what you do. When you receive the the heart of God, the heart of Christ, what you do becomes the heart of God, the heart of Christ. And this scribe is, Jesus knew it. Now watch this. This is so interesting. Watch this. He says, now when Jesus saw that, not when he heard that, the scribe just repeated what Jesus said. But do you notice he said, he said, the heart, the understanding, the soul. Where was he starting to churn up? In his heart. Jesus spoke to his heart. He didn't just reflect what Jesus said. All of a sudden it became his. And Jesus saw that. He didn't just hear it. He saw the man's heart. Whoa. He wasn't quite there yet, though, was he? Because he said, you're getting close. Not quite. But you're getting close. But after that, no one dared question him. That's Jesus. Then Jesus answered and said, while he taught in the temple, how is it that the scribes say that the Christ is the son of David? For David himself said by the Holy Spirit, quote, the Lord said to my Lord, sit at my right hand till I make your enemies your footstool. Therefore, David himself calls him Lord. How is he then his son? Okay. Who did that even make a little bit of sense to raise your hand? Just a couple. You know what? I get it because like, what? Now watch this though. And the common people heard him gladly. Not the priests, not the religious, the common people. See what he's saying here. I just, I'm going to paraphrase it in a very simple form. What Jesus is saying here is priests, Pharisees, Sadducees, scribes, religious people, I'm standing right in front of you, and you have no clue that I'm the son of God. You're so busy about doing things for God and learning knowledge about him that the son of God is standing right in front of you, and you have no clue. The common people, though, I'm going to just give one example. They weren't the ones trying to prove anything to anyone. They probably were ones that didn't have a lot that weren't being distracted by things. They probably were ones that just really wanted hope for their life. They wanted anything they, they wanted something and and the and the the, the priests of the day unfortunately, they were probably the ones that took the offerings and took the things, I'm not saying they all were corrupt, but the Bible really does show us that they were trying to be good on the outside, but inside their hearts weren't right bible's clear. Jesus is clear about that, but the Bible says here in Mark. The common people, they heard. There's a transition that happens between the head and the heart. It's the hardest thing to grab in the entire world. It seems like salvation sometimes can be simple. God said that you realize that your sin separates you from him. And God tells us that if we repent of our sin and, and, and believe that Jesus died, he paid the penalty for our sin, he was buried, he rose again, and we put our trust in that, that we can be saved. And sometimes I think it's, it's easier, for lack of a better way to say it, to go through a, a process of salvation and then never realize we just put our trust in him for our eternity, but we still want to live life our way. We still want to have head knowledge and a lot of things. We still want it our way, and we're not going to trust him. And the bottom line is what he's saying here is the common people heard it. The common people heard it. You know why? Because they said, I want your love, God. I want what you have for me. I don't need your stuff. I don't need a religion. All I need is your word and you. Can you imagine? Can you imagine a heart that understood this verse right here? Then he said to them in his teaching, beware of the scribes who desire to go around in long robes, love greetings in the marketplace the best seats in the synagogues and the best places at feast, who devour widows' houses and for a pretense make long prayers, these will receive a greater condemnation. Now, I just said that God doesn't condemn, right? Then why is he saying this? Because the pretense is this. If we go about doing God's business purposely, trying to take from God's people, don't you think, God, there's going to be a judgment there? Don't, I mean, our, the same God that loves us, and he does, the same God that judges us, though, he's a just God. He doesn't just leave us hanging. For the injustice in this world, maybe sometimes you won't see the reality of that come true, where you've been wronged. But God knows, and, and justice does come. Continuing in verse 41. Now Jesus sat opposite the treasury and saw how the people put money into the treasury. And many who were rich put in much. Then one poor widow came and threw in two mites. I'm going to say approximately $2. Put in two mites, which make a quadrants. So he called his disciples to himself and said to them, Assuredly I say to you that this poor widow has put in more than all those who have given to the treasury. For they all put in out of the abundance but she, out of her poverty, put in all that she had, her whole livelihood. Now, Jesus wasn't just saying that she put in more than a person. He was saying she put in more than everyone else together. Why? Because of her heart. You know, and I don't know. I don't, I don't want to read things into Scripture, and, and I won't but you know it might have been this was her uh uh financial means for a week it might cuz that would be a a dollar uh, if you will i'm trying to equate it to now might have been like about a day's wage then so she gave maybe the equivalent of two days wages so so the, so the point is you know whether she had more money later or some kind kind of income is immaterial the point is that's all she had at the time and when she gave she gave with a heart that loved god she wasn't even giving to the priests, in essence. God wants us to give from our heart, financially, yes. Physically, yes. Emotionally, yes. To do what we can do, that's all. Don't be deceived or don't let anyone tell you that God wants more than he knows you can do. Now, side note. There are some times that I think I'm doing what God wants me to do and putting it all in, and then when I get that done, if you will, then he goes, okay, you can do more. Do <laughs> you understand what I'm saying? Let me teach your heart, Tony. Go to the panhandle, just an example. You're, 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 you're doing 16, 17-hour days, you're beat. I mean, especially when you're going uh, before people. You don't have you don't have restaurants, you don't have air conditioning, you don't have stuff. And you don't after the first day I can't go another day. And it's like God just says, Yes, you can. You can do more. It's why you're here. Do it to my glory. For I have come down from heaven, not to do my own will, but the will of him who sent me. This is the will of the Father who sent me that all he has given to me I should lose. Nothing, and that's us, by the way, it includes us. But should raise it up on the last day, that's eternity. And this is the will of him who sent me, that everyone who sees the Son and believes in him may have everlasting life, and I will raise him up on the last day. John six forty. Here's the question. It's the most important question of the entire morning. It truly, truly is. It's the matter of the heart. This morning is the word of God and the spirit of God speaking to your heart. We may have some in this room. You know what? I I know you're not going to stand up and go, you know what, Pastor Tony? You know what, everyone? I've been a religious person. And and no one expects you to. But if you're in this room and and you've always done church and, and it's the way you do it and and you know, you, you come in, you 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 even serve. I mean, that's awesome. But you know, you come in and you serve, you do this, you do that, um, you 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 give, you you do the things, and then when you go back into the world, you're kind of okay, you know, it's all right, but but you kind of leave God here. It could be maybe some of us this morning are, are that person. Maybe we're here this morning and we've heard the gospel many times. And the gospel is is understanding that Jesus died on a cross, paid the penalty for your sin. He was crucified. He was buried. He didn't stay buried, just like Eric's baptism represented. He rose. Eric didn't stay under the water. Why? Because he's given a picture of salvation. He rose from the water, just as Jesus rose from the grave. Now, that is one of the silliest things I ever heard. How can that ever make sense? But the Word of God and the Spirit of God tells me it's true. By faith, I do believe. Whatever the case may be, if you're here this morning and you know that you're a sinner that's separated by God or from God. And you're in need of salvation. You're in need of a heart, a new heart that only God can give. Today is the day of salvation. Today is the day you bow your head. Let's do that. Let's just close our eyes. It helps to keep distractions away. Just be still for a moment. God hears the prayer of salvation. And even though you might not speak out loud, I'm telling you, he hears your heart. He knows your heart. It's what Jesus has been telling us all morning. God knows our heart. And if that's you this morning, speak to him from your heart. And God, I, I don't understand it all, but I, I, you're telling me that your son, you sent your son, and he paid the penalty for my sin. I, I know in my heart it's true. I want to repent of my sin. I want to turn from my sin, living life my way. And right here, this morning, right now, I put my trust that Jesus died and paid the penalty for my sin, and he rose again. He's alive today. Matter of fact, he can hear my prayer right now. Come into my life. Save me. Is there anyone here this morning that would say, Pastor Tony, I I ask that you keep your eyes closed just for a moment. That you would testify by raising your hand. You know, Pastor Tony, I prayed this morning. I, I asked Jesus to be my savior. All eyes are closed. If that's you, put your hand up so I can see. So I know how to pray. Thank you. Thank you. Can you put your hands down? Thank you. Anyone else? Father God, I know by faith, by your word, you knew in the hearts of those that just put their hand up, even before their hand raised, that they prayed and they received you. They put their trust in Jesus Christ as her Savior. And as the hand goes up, it's a testimony. It's a witness. And Lord, I know that I ask that I be the only one looking, but, but we're two or more gathered, and I witness their hands. And we thank you. We praise you. To the glory of God, in Jesus' name. Amen. I want to encourage you. Um, if you prayed this morning, ask Jesus to save you, put it on the connection card, please. There's a little spot. I, I prayed this morning. Also, if God is leading you, how do you say it? Like, I don't know. You might say, well, Pastor Tony, I'm not sure. I mean, you know, can we talk? You know, put down there, I want to talk to a pastor. D- don't, well, all I'm getting at is don't leave your heart hanging. You know, today is the day of salvation. Today is the day God wants to speak into your heart. and And we assuredly will pray for you most importantly. And we'll contact you. It's okay. I remember, like I said, I went to church first time in my life. I was saved. The next morning, I got a call from a from a deacon. Come and meet me for lunch. I'm going, Woo! There's a little bit of me that said, are you kidding me? But there, my heart, Jesus in my heart said, go talk to the man. He's going to walk with you. He's going to pray with you. We um, have an evangelism conference coming up guys, and uh, it's in your worship guide. If you know this morning that you can go, I realize the time is 4 to 8. I mean, I get that. It's the only way we can do it. Um, Some of you can make that time, though. And some of you that can't make it, pray, and maybe you can. Who knows? I've had people ask employers, can I get off an hour, two hours early from work? Of course. Maybe some not. Let's go to this conference as a body, as, as many as can. As many as can. It's, it's, you, you have two weeks. You don't have to decide this Sunday. You have two weeks. But if you can go, I'd like to go as a group. And I don't know why they, full, uh, they put in the free steak dinner. But um, it, we went to one before, and, yes, it's, like, really good. <laughs> so um, we get to eat, too. We won't, we won't leave you hanging. And then I wanted to, just real briefly, our spiritual and physical health group does meet again after church today. And listen, <laughs> you guys are doing good. I know it's challenging. I know we all have good intentions. We're going to commit to this. We're going to commit to uh, a, a healthy body. We're going to commit to a, a spiritually growing. And then it seems like... Um. I mean this in the context of Scripture, that it seems like all hell breaks loose. But that's with any of our lives. Anytime we try to draw near to God, it'll seem like all hell is breaking loose for a moment. I'm telling you, it's for a moment. It's only when we give up that we'll never know what God really wants to do.